You look like a very young, distinguished young gentleman right now, bro. What are you doing? I'm waiting on you. Fuck you mean you waiting on me? You look like you was thinking about life. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. It's been recording for three and a half minutes. I said They're I, fucking I, lying. <laughs> I said to you, I'm going to start the recording. Go when you're ready. I'm so Five sorry. Quiet. Bro. Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, bro. I didn't, I had no clue. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys for a very special MMA edition of the show. And I am joined once again by my loyal, esteemed co-host, the man dressed in Jets green, despite his heart probably being a very decrepit, similar color. How are you feeling, Sean Negron? Uh, in pain when it comes to Jets football. I think I'm in more pain, to be honest with you, with that red Yankees hat. You're floating and flirting with Red Sox colors there. I don't necessarily know if I like it. It's different, but it's it's new. It definitely pops out when it comes to this podcast. So I'm good, though, by the way. Yeah, it's it's great. Wait, what does it say? Wait, wait, go back, go back. Little, got a little World Series patch. Oh, you know, not, okay. Not too crazy, you know? Look at this. Way to show it off. Way to show it yeah, off. Yeah, man. Like my, my dad's the same way, funny enough. When I when I first bought this hat, he's like, what are you doing? Like, like as if I committed some sort of treason. Uh, but it I think treason. Yankee, I think having multiple Yankee hats is an excuse to not represent another team. So are, are we on the same page on that one? Would you rather me be wearing a St. Louis Cardinals hat right now? Or is, yes. the, is the red Yankee? Really? Yes. Really? Yeah. It's just the Why red. is that? If it was any other color, I wouldn't really care. But you're you're flirting with Red Sox here, wow. and that's a Red Sox type color, and you know, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. Wow. Well, you know, that's uh, like seeing a Red Sox right off hat the top of like the show, stripes. right? Like, does it make sense? No. <laughs> Damn it, Sean! Damn it! I thought I was cool. I thought I was swanky. It does look nice, uh, but apparently, it, just, it is a Bronx thing. You know, yeah. they have variations. Okay. Of every of every color of this same Yankees hat, um, uh, I got I got to buy some more. I have three, I think. I, you've seen me with the with the diamond, the Tiffany blue, I have. and black Yankee hat as well. So come on, man, what's going on? You got the like banana Is it just yellow? the red? Oh yeah, yeah. I there was a release like that, but I unfortunately didn't grab it. Uh, got it. Got to be on the links a little quicker than that, for brother. Sure, for sure. But the only th- right way to continue forward. As if we fucking get the shit back on course, goddammit. We need your social so that the people can continue to see you, probably publicly roasting me like you just did. That's what happens when you go two weeks without uh, UFC. But you can find me at U- uh, I was about to say at UFC here. Yep. You can find me there. I wish. I wish you could. Very soon. Um, Very soon. At Sean Negron26 uh, on Twitter. Uh, BSReports.org is my website. If you ever want to get started in the sports industry, writing, podcasting, whatever it is, shoot me a shout and I will help you out. You heard the man. I have officially, and once again, I, I have said this before on this show, so take it with a grain of salt, right? But I have officially began writing my first piece. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you caught this last week, 
but I, I slipped up a little bit on what, what potentially might be my first thing. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to go right out and say it, right? I'm going to be doing a series of mixed martial arts poetry on the BS reports channel. So ah. if that's something that interests you, make sure you're tuned in. Uh, but with all that being said, you that's can find new. me at Negron MMA, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram, Negron MMA on Twitter and TikTok. Make sure you're following us there. Going to be dropping a lot more reels of this show and previous shows as well. I've uh, been having a blast uh, with all of the socials. So continue to probably roast me like Sean just did. Uh, we'll love to see it. But make sure you're following the brand at OTS Media Co. on all social media platforms, OTS Media on YouTube. I think I just said that the flipped way. That's perfect. Yeah, Leave I, it I that way. Did. Perfect. <laughs> so we are gathered here today, ladies and gentlemen, not for a hellscape sacrifice, but mm. an actual card that the UFC cares about that is taking place in Austin, Texas. We have Armand Saryukin. Going up against Benil Dariush. Sean, let's start from the bottom and work our way up to the top on this one. Our very first fight of the night, we have Veronica Hardy coming up against Jamie Lynn Horth in the women's flyweight division. Now, I'm going to come at you hot and heavy with this one, man, for, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, no pause. <laughs> Shout out to the Hardy family, man. I have been a big fan of their podcast um i believe it is it is literally just the um full reptile dan hardy uh <laughs> breakdown show whatever the the hell i love the way they approach uh looking at fights breaking down fights and then you can see how that all uh funnels into training for fights so i'm a fan of this team and their thought process when it comes to the uh the world of mma so i think it's pretty easy to get a distinction of where i'm leaning um i Loved watching that fight, her last fight that she had, I believe it was 289. Um, 286. Oh, 286. God damn it. See, time continues to fly, man. It it, it will continue as well. Uh, but I remember being in the parking lot watching that fight because Sean was nowhere to be found, and I was waiting wow. for him to link up with me. Wow. And just a hell of a, a performance, right, against um, – give me – wait a second. I got it. It's right there right there killer miller juliana miller nice right amazing amazing fight what was so exciting for me about it was seeing the way veronica hardy kept her style but looked very solid in this new weight class man i think it's funny because you saw earlier on in her career whether she was fighting up at uh bantamweight or anywhere else between the spectrum of 125 and 135 um she does a lot of she has a very similar game as far as how she builds her striking approach, which I think is really fascinating to watch. I think she works a lot from Southpaw, but then switches to Orthodox. And I had a fun time in my tape review, kind of just trying to figure out what she's trying to accomplish from both stances. And I think the main things to watch out for in this matchup from Orthodox specifically is that low line leg kick. Um, especially the inside one. I think in this matchup specifically, she's going to have a speed advantage at range against Jamie Lynn Horth. Um, I think from that southpaw position is where she really lands her best straights 
and uh, looping right hooks. So keep an eye out for all of those strikes. But as far as how they match up on the feet, I think Veronica Hardy is the much faster athlete. Um, but I would say Jamie Lynn Horth um, seems to be the stronger fighter from, from everything I've seen, even though Veronica Hardy has fought more fights up at bantamweight than Jamie Lynn Horth has up to this point. Um, I think this fight really depends on whether Veronica Hardy can keep it at range and enter the clinch on her terms. If she can, I think this should be a pretty easy fight for her. Um, but I think it makes sense why they're, they're lined so closely just because I, I could see Jamie Lynn Horth, especially up against the cage, giving her a lot of issues in the clinch because she's uh, a more physically imposing fighter. Um, but as far as fluidity and um, strength in motion, I think Veronica, Veronica Hardy has a big advantage keeping things at range. So give me Veronica Hardy by decision. How are you feeling about this one, Sean? Oof. I'm a little upset. You you took so much of what I wanted to say right out of the equation for me. But yes, I uh, this one I, I this might have been one of the tougher ones I've been going back and forth with for the last uh, couple days, and it's tough to decide. But I'm going to agree with you and go with Veronica Hardy here. I loved uh, how much more refreshed she looked. Uh, three years, you know, taking off and then going in a different weight class and how she has performed um, since that. And the thing is, is that with uh, with Jamie Lynn, it's I'm I'm still very new to her game. I did like her last win, but I felt that Veronica, obviously with the experience and the last name in there, uh, I feel like she's definitely one where you kind of took it right from me, where you said. You know, it's the close range for me that's going to do the trick. And I think that's what's going to come down to. I see this one being very fast, very proactive, and very heavy, quickly. Very, um, what's the word? I, I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around the word. But very, a nice way to start the card, I guess, is the best way to put it. So I think this is one of those where... We're going to see a very fun, interesting way to start this card. This is a, this is a very nice fight night card, and um, I think Hardy gets it done. I, I think it still goes to decision, but it's one of those where kind of puts Veronica Hardy back on the map after all this time. For sure. Jamie Linsworth came at bantamweight against one Haley Cowan. And I thought even in that matchup, man, she looked a little bit slow on the feet, yeah. especially and like not willing to engage in certain spots. And it's funny because she's willing to throw down. Like, don't, don't mistake not willing to engage with not being willing to hold her ground. She she fully, when being rushed, will just plant down, uh, bite down on the mouthpiece and just throw back, which is a good instinct to have. Uh, but just a little sluggish for me on the outside. Next up. We've got Wellington Terman, young beef Wellington himself, going up against the night train, Jared Gordon. Sean, why don't you lead the dance on this light heavyweight matchup, the heaviest fight on this card? You know, isn't that funny? Um, this is, I don't like any of these fighters, not going to lie to you. Um, I'm going to say another one where... I did not like Wellington in his last fight against uh, 
Petrosky. I remember the Petrosky fight. How that dare you? Go well. Rude boy. But then oh, Randy, Randy Brown. Brown. Yeah. And that one, that one I didn't like either. But um, I just don't really believe in Gooden. And he struggles a lot with making weight. It's it's one of those where I just I haven't relied on Gooden's game since he's been in the UFC. And uh, I know this. I think this is the second stint, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I can't put good faith in, in believing in Gooden to get the job done here. So I think this is one of those where Terman gets it done, but I'm not overly confident in it. So I'm going to say Wellington takes it. Man, I'm pretty surprised, not going to lie, by your analysis on this one. Because I agree with you. I'm also going with Wellington Terman. But I disagree with you on his trajectory, man. I think earlier on in his career, kind of felt the same way. I was just like, man, I'm not really seeing it, right? The pieces of the game aren't connecting together. Uh, but I'm a big fan of a lot of the improvements I've seen in his last two fights, even though there were in losses, right? Um, Trotsky fight was definitely a much clearer, decisive fight. Uh, which is interesting to think about when you think, you know, Randy Brown is actually the higher ranked fighter um, and he actually gave him a run for his money. You could argue definitely won the third round um, and was putting himself back in the conversation when it comes to damage. Um, I'm a fan of Wellington Terman's striking game under the tutelage of Glover Teixeira and I'm sure Alex Pereira at the Connecticut chop shop, baby. They're just doing beautiful things over there in Danbury. Uh, but I like the little low-line low, uh, calf kick that he clearly got from Pereira. No tell whatsoever. Just throws it out there pretty smoothly. Um, I do think he is a little slow when it comes to reacting to combinations, which can be a problem in this matchup specifically. Uh, but overall, I think he has a much more solid base of striking and is actually the way better grappler, in my opinion. I think very much so my play on this, my angle on this fight, is I'm going to be playing Wellington Terman by submission, and I'm going to see if my bookie allows me to play Wellington Terman by arm triangle choke, because this is a position that I've seen Jared Gooden come into trouble with in a lot of fights, even fights that he's won on the regional scene and in the UFC. And this is one of Wellington Terman's favorite positions. So keep an eye out for that wrinkle. Uh, but give me Wellington Terman as well. Next up. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you got something for me there? No, no. I was I was pretty surprised with your analysis there. But you know what? I hope I hope you're right when it comes to proving me wrong. But I just don't. I don't think you are. <laughs> I'm. I just. <laughs> I love how you're so low on him, but not willing Sorry. at all to consider the get Jared Gordon pick. Uh, because yeah, his his striking game is really hard to make sense of. Man, he's obviously a very yes. athletic guy, but the dude just completely has his hands at his knees and and uses. I mean, he has like a funky slip because he fights that way. He reminds me a lot here. Here, this is not a racist comparison. I promise you, but. They also have bald heads. He reminds me a lot of Bobby Green, right? But without the mm. actual slick defensive side to the head movement, it's just very janky and rough. Uh, but the hands down, there's some similarities there. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not a fan of his game, and I think Terman should be able to capitalize. But next up, we've got Ihor Poteria coming up against Rodolfo Bellato. Sean, I'm throwing back to you again because I got to sneeze. Well, this is, I think, the heaviest fight on the card. Um, this one is 
very, very interesting. This is middleweight, right? Is it? Yeah. I thought this was light heavyweight. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I jumped the gun. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I'm uh. See, this is a tough one because this hurts my soul. If this makes any sense, and it's not going to, because for uh, there's no way I'm going to say anyone's names right here. But oh, to well, just say the names one more time. No, no, no. I want to hear you say it. Why don't Why don't you say it again? Is it Ehor? Is am I am I on the right track there? I like that. I like that a lot. All right, so that's Ehor. I don't think that's how it's e said, but yeah, like it's it. not. But try the last name. E no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that, that that guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, there's no shot. There's no shot. Pot I can't Poteria. even. Poteria. 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 That's no way. That's too easy. Um, yeah, with Poteria, I was I was actually really bummed out with his loss to Olberg. Uh, that had to be like a good six seven months ago, but. It was um, – I, I thought I would see more from him in his UFC career so far. and He's kind of hit or stalled out sort of on the on the backtrack here. But Rodolfo is one of those guys where he's just on – he's red hot. He's on a serious run here. He was nasty in the uh, – uh, what do you call it? In the contender series. And I think he's just getting started here. I'm one of those guys, as I say it all the time, who believes in experience. But I feel that coming from the uh, well, his camp, I, I know his camp by heart. Um, oh my God! All right, I, I know it. it's a it's a Hall of Fame UFC fighter. I can't think of his camp, but it's uh, we got to get it together. This is amateur bro, hour, right? We're we're fucking up early on. Here. This is what happens when you go two weeks without recording. Team Nogueira. But, there we go. There you go. Thank you. Yes, Team Noguera. Um, I believe that he's on a fast track here, and I believe that he's 100% going to take this one. I see this one ending by knockout, maybe in the first minute and a half. Hmm. Ah, man, I'm going to be honest with you here, man. I have the exact opposite take as you. I loved to see Ihor Pateria get absolutely smoked by Carlos Olberg because of what he did to my guy in his retirement fight man you don't just knock out a legend and then Fortnite emote on him that's that's illegal brother that is illegal so it's good to see now another legend of the game is sending a guy from his camp right to decapitate him Adolfo Bellato is a imposing human being man the dude is a diesel truck and his only losses comes to one of my guys Sean's favorite fighters Vitor Petrino, both of them, and one of them was a knockout on Contender Series. Both of this guy's Contender Series fights were absolute slug or not drug, <laughs> freaking drag them out brawls uh, that just ended up with someone getting bonked. So no matter what happens here, it's going to be fun. But Adolfo Bellato actually looks like one of the guys that are perfect for MMA, right? Just Brazilian, diesel, and... Just will put them hammers on you whenever he gets a chance. Um, I agree with you. I think this is going to end early, and I think this is going to be a bad night for Mr. Potiera. Next up, we've got Steve Garcia coming up against 
hear me out on this one. Melchizael Costa. Look at this man, bro. It just flows right off the tongue. This right here is a motherfucking banger. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm excited for this fight. I haven't seen a Melchizael Costa fight that I haven't been entertained by. And the same thing goes for Steve Garcia, man. I've loved the improvements that I've seen out of Steve Garcia in his career, especially most recently. The guy's putting together his striking game at Jackson Wink, which pretty pretty funny, right? One of the last breeds, in my opinion, of uh, really good fighters coming out of there. I'm a big fan of his game in general, and I think he was originally scheduled before this to fight Sean Woodson. And I think this is actually a much more favorable matchup. So I'm going to be honest with you here, uh, Sean. I was a little surprised to see Steve Garcia being such a big underdog, man. I think Melchizael Costa is a very fun, exciting action fighter. But I don't like his pressure game. I think he is there to be hit. And he is someone that really um, has a hard time getting into range properly but rushes into it constantly. And I think that's going to be his problem here in this fight. Give me Steve Garcia. Honestly, the by knockout play is live, but I'll say by decision. How you feeling, Sean? I can't believe you just took that because I was thinking, all right, if we can finally separate here, because I'm definitely going Steve Garcia here. I, I He's an incredible freestyle fighter. Uh, I've loved what he's done. Even that the, the win against Chase Hooper, that's what kind of put me on the map with him. Like, obviously, I've known he, he's been around for a long time. But it was when he beat Chase Hooper when I was so high on Chase Hooper at the time. And to see him uh, excel the way he has over these last year and a half, I think he's he's starting to hit his stride now. And I think he's going to – it could definitely be a knockout. I, I could see some sort of ground and pound finish, but it could uh, be – one of those that go right to decision, but it's going to be a hell of a fight. And I think Garcia is one of those where you got to keep an eye out for in the future. Agreed. I'm sad because I honestly was shocked that the odds were the way they were. And I was like, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll get a point, uh, but not looking good. Next up, we've got Joe Selecki, a plus 115 underdog going up against Drakkar. I can't let you get close. Who you got in this one, Sean? See, this is this is another really fun one for me. Um, see, the one thing I, I'm I'm picking Drakkar, but this is the reason why I have trouble with this is is his inability to get into the octagon, right? Like I feel like every time I I find out news that he's gonna be fighting, it something always happens and. What bothers me is the fact that he hasn't fought in a year. I think he's a better fighter than Joe, but because he hasn't fought in a year, it's definitely worrisome for me. But to keep it simple, I think I think Drakkar goes in there and puts it puts it on him. I don't think he's going to get any sort of knockout. I think this one's going to go straight to decision, but it's one of those where it's not going to be the everyone's favorite fight, but it's going to be one of those where he kind of wins via points. And by winning, you know, two out of the three rounds, I think it's going to be a little close, but I think uh, Drakkar gets it done. 
Oh man, I hate to do it. Do but it. I think I'm on the same side as you oh, on this one. <laughs> I think I think Jakar Close is just much more fluid on the feet. And I think that's where we're gonna see the difference here. I think he's a pretty underrated grappler too. I think he does a really good job keeping himself in strong positions where even if he is getting wrestled against the fence, um, he has a means to grab some underhooks and uh, build a base, uh, which is really fun to watch, especially at this division. The dude has a very aggressive takedown defense, uh, which is my favorite, man. To see a guy that you could tell has some urgency, right, against someone that you know is going to be trying to exploit him in those phases feels pretty good. I will say if Joe Selecki gets his way, um, I could definitely see him putting him in some real dangerous positions on the ground. Um, I just think he's not going to have the horsepower in the wrestling phases specifically to take him down over and over again. So I am also going with Mr. Drakkar Close. Next up, we've got Cody Brundage versus young Zach Hair Reese. No, that's not his nickname at all. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying some things out. Okay, I'm trying. Clearly, it's not working all the best but um i think this i'll take the lead on this one why not wow um i think i think this matchup is a little strange right because cody brundage is another one of those guys that very unfortunately i just think isn't that good man i don't think he's that good and Obviously, he came away with a very fortunate uh, disqualification win in his last one against Jacob Malkoon in a fight where it felt like he was en route to getting his ass beat. Let's be honest <laughs> here. Um, I like Zach Reese as a prospect. I do think he is kind of shot out of a cannon, which is sort of the kind of guy that Cody Brundage does well against. Um this one feels like a trap fight all over to me, oh, yeah. but give me Zach Reese uh, because Cody Brundage isn't that good. How you feeling? I'm surprised that the odds are even this close because this is one of those where the UFC matchmakers are doing everything they can to get Cody out of the UFC. The fact that he had <laughs> lost three in a row really should have lost that fourth in a row. You know, it keeps him going because he won. He gets Zach, who's had uh, what is he five and zero, six and zero, all by first round. This is one of those where you get the, the crowd excited by a complete you know, difference in uh, matchmaking here. This is not one of those where they did it on purpose to keep it close. This is one of those where you want to see if someone like Zach Reach is a prospect explode off the ground, come out of nowhere, and be this you know, upcoming hopeful superstar in the making sort of uh, fight. And Cody Brunich has his name written all over it to be the victim. So I think this is one of those where this is going to be a devastating fight for Cody and probably his last in uh, UFC. Wow. With conviction. You for love sure, to, for sure. You love to see it. My guy, Sean is ready to get this guy out the UFC, uh, but we'll see if that's actually what happens from this point on. I'm going to be honest. We have left uh, the, the kiddie pool area, right? We are now approaching the four feet deep section. We're, we're not in the deep end just yet, uh, but, this is where things start going downhill. I'm excited to ask you about this one, Sean. So why don't you tell me how you feel about Misha Tate as a plus 135 underdog going up against Julia Avila, who's a minus 160 favorite. How are you feeling about this bantamweight? It hurts my soul, buddy. It hurts my soul to see Misha uh, look like this after, after all these years and um, retiring. I thought she retired that early. And then, 
you know, coming back, and it just has not it has not been a fun run for her at all since she's come back to the UFC. The thing is, is that with Julia, this is another one with her. It's like I I'm going with Misha here, just so we're clear. I think Misha finally gets it done, and in a nice little sold out crowd. People remember who Misha was. There's going to be some highlights of her, you know, before they were required to wear the Reebok. There's going to be some fun moments here. And I think this is going to turn back the clock a little bit here. It's, um, I, I think this is one of those that gets finished in the second round via submission. I think Misha gets it done. I'm, I could be completely dead wrong. We might see the end of Misha because she loses this one handedly. I really don't know. How much more you want to keep going? Four losses in whatever three years since you came back. You haven't, you know, picked up where you left off. You weren't the, you know, former contender and you know all that stuff. So, oh, this is tough. This is tough. Misha's definitely gonna take it. I just, I, it's tough to, it's gonna be a tough one to watch for sure. I'll be, I'll be praying that take and take it easily and get herself back on the horse. But who knows? Dude, I'm going to be honest, man. I hate that you're going this way because I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think what made me sick about con considering this matchup was how Julia Avila looked against Sajara Eubanks, who I think is a very good fighter, underrated fighter, especially when you look at just her record. Um, but that was a bad fight, man. That was a really bad performance, in my opinion, where she just kind of wilted and... If that can happen to you against Sajara Eubanks, um, the path to victory is there for Misha Tate. This is a dangerous fight, though, like you mentioned. I think Julia Avila is going to put Misha Tate through hell. I think it's going to be similar to that fight with Caitlin Vieira in that way where, yeah, she might have some success on the shots, but she's going to have to go through hell to get there. I just feel like if she can survive past round one, um, from that point on, it should be relatively easy for her to get consistent takedowns and find a way to claw this one out but i agree man this is going to be this is going to be a very telling fight for either of these ladies right no matter who ends up losing here i think it's going to tell us a lot about where they are at this point of their careers but kind of crazy to think about this hear me out on this one sean mm. after of course you know the hood never stops but <laughs> If I if you had to wager me a guess here, right? We all know that Misha Tate is the elder, right? Yeah. How many years would you say she has on Julia Avila? Oh. Okay. What is she? What 36? 37? Hey, 37. 35? You got it right. Okay. I won't I all won't right, tell so you how old Julia Avila is though. So Well, obviously, because you're asking me the question. Um I don't know. Avila. Every time I hear about Avila, it's always a fight cancellation with this girl. So I'm going to say actually not that much older. I'm going to say six years. I don't, I don't know. Hey, I love the way you were thinking, right? Not that much older. But it's two years, man. Julia Avila wow, is only okay. 35, which was kind of shocking to consider when obviously you think about their MMA mileage, right? I think they – yeah have a completely different odometer when it comes to that, but uh, the experience should be the edge here. And I love that we're both picking the underdog once again, on the same side. You'll love to see you're it. Doing this to me. Next up, 
<laughs> We've got Punahele Soriano, minus 260, going up against Dustin Stoltzfus at plus 210. Sean, I will do the damn deed. I'm going to be honest with you here, man. I think Dustin Stolfoots is another one of those guys, man. Another one of those guys, right? Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, he's another one of those guys, man, that are on his way out, in my opinion, of the UFC. I think Puna is someone that the UFC has had on a pedestal since he made his debut, and I think they're trying to get him a win here. I think this one is going to come down to effective grappling. I think Punahele is really good, especially with getting takedowns in this division and punishing people from on top. Um, I think Dustin Stolfus obviously not in the best position at the moment after suffering some very tough losses in his career. Um, I think we continue along that trend. Give me Punahele Soriano and my guys, Eric Nixick. And the motherfucking crew over there at Extreme Couture just doing the damn thing, continuing to roll. Let's do it. Punahele, Soriano. How you feeling, Sean? Can't believe that. I really thought you were taking Dustin there because I'm definitely taking Soriano here. I will never take Dustin because of how his little loss to Abus. Can't stand Abus. The most hyped-up wannabe, washed-up nothing. <laughs> I, wow, I, <laughs> I disagree. That man has some skills, brother. That man. Yeah, has he some does. Skills. All right, I think he was rushed. I, I, you know, it's not even, it's not even his fault, right? I think the UFC overhyped that. I think it's Ali. Him. It's Ali Abdelaziz's yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, maybe because like nine eleven, that nonsense. <laughs> this guy. Uh, I went too far on that one. I'm so, sorry. Continue. Yeah, he, I. I I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm glad you said it. But uh, the thing is with Abus is that Abus has proven that he is not a contending UFC middleweight at this time. And uh, I believe that he is kind of being exposed here. But the fact that he came in and forced basically this uh, Sean Strickland fight for Abus because of the, this win against Dustin. In such dominating fashion that I just I can't believe in Dustin to turn this around now. I just I don't know. I I know that sounds horrible, but even the Mearshart fight was not great for me to to tell me. You know what? It was close. It could have been this. It could have ah. You know he could. I can't can't do it. So while Soriano's not one of the top guys on my list to think that you know he could become something like yes he's. He's definitely rising. I'm not sure if I want to say I'm going to put all my chips in yet, but I do think this is one of those where, just like the fight we were talking about before, this might be one of those where we're looking at Dustin as, uh, as days are numbered when it comes to the UFC. I think that could potentially be a situation maybe in a fight or two from now. Yeah, you could definitely say he mere sharded the bed on that one because, <laughs> goddamn. Uh, yes. And a fight that he actually was pretty competitive in just got submitted in the third round. Um, I mean, not the biggest thing to be ashamed of. That kind of is Mearshart's thing. Uh, but I think there was a case for Dwight Grant even winning that fight, too. So it's like even the win you got doesn't look as good. And I don't think Dwight yeah, Grant exactly. is a, a great prospect either, either, even though I love him and he's fighting out of New York. Shout out to my guy, Mr. Grant himself. But we shall 
move on. Next up. From this point on, man, this is full WEC. This is just <laughs> a bunch of small dudes doing the damn thing. We've got a lightweight matchup between Clay Guida, plus 260 underdog, going up against Joaquim Silva at minus 340. Sean, I'm throwing right to you, baby, out the gate. This is a very pivotal matchup, and who knows? Maybe this might be the one. But we're on opposite sides for the first time this fight card. How you feeling about this lightweight matchup? Wow. We really have everything so far. Um Yeah. All right, let me see if I can change it up here. Okay. This is one of those where I I can't go with Clay here. Clay, I I have loved for forever. I think Clay is not a Hall of Famer, but one of those where you can always say he can, he'll fight anyone at any time. I've seen him since the beginning from jump, let's say. And I hope that this is uh, – I thought his last fight was going to be the one when he did that fake retirement nonsense. But I do think that he won't stop fighting. And it's one of those uh, – sorry, I'm going to say this. Tony Ferguson situations where we got to just – we got to stop him from keep going out there. But Clay still has shown some – some upside as of I guess as of late he hasn't uh, hasn't won in a year but I I think Silva's I think Silva is one of those guys that the UFC put in to kind of stop this you know the Armand fight was while it wasn't what you wanted it was still pretty close especially in that second round I thought that it actually tested Armand a little bit there mm-hmm. but. When you go from Arma to Clay Guida, I, I I don't know if you can have a bigger gap to kind of help you get back on the horse, like I said before. So this is one of those where I have to. I have to go with Joaquin Silva uh, here, and I think he gets it done. I don't, and Clay's not going down without a fight. So I don't think this will go to uh, to knockout. I could think. I think this might go to decision. Damn, Sean. Damn. Go I'll be honest with you here, man. Yeah, I really I really want to with my heart of hearts. I, I think there is a path to victory for him here in this matchup. Um, I just think Joaquim Silva just hits way too hard, man. The Neto BJJ, the dude is a, a phenom out there. Um, reminiscent of Vitor Belfort with his skill set. Um, I'm worried about Clay Guida in this one. If he can if he can actually make Joaquim Silva really think about the takedown and tentative in that way, because you saw that in the Armas Saryukian fight, even though he was able to get that uh, left hook off and hurt Saryukian, um, when he started being tentative of the takedown, man, it just felt like everything was working for Armon after that. And I could see a world where Clay Guida starts fading his way in on that takedown. You know what I mean? It's fading his way in. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, finds his way in on a couple of those uh but yeah i can't at this stage of his career confidently pick clay guida to do that um i will not be surprised once clay guida is riding out the last five minutes of top control in round three though like (laughs) when that happens i won't be surprised uh but i think joakim silva should do enough to edge it out in the first couple of rounds give me netto BJJ, and we still are all locked up this far into the card. I don't like it. Next up, 
we got a banger at 170 pounds, man. We've got Sean Brady at minus 135 going up against Kelvin Gastelum at plus 115. This, this right here is a motherfucking fight, man. I'm going to be honest. I really hope, I'm praying that we get to see vintage Kelvin Gastelum here because I think if that guy shows up, God damn it, he's going to win. I think he is so dynamic on the feet offensively, so fast, even for welterweight, which he's moving back down to here, uh, which is the X factor, man. This guy loves him some birria, right? This guy loves him some tacos, and it has kept him, in my opinion, away from the weight class where he actually has a chance at becoming champ. And that's 170 because there's so many wrestlers in this division. And I don't think there's anyone better than Kelvin Gastelum at deterring wrestlers, getting back to his feet. Even if he gets taken down, you can't really do much to him out of that turtle position, man. The guy just puts himself in turtle and good luck trying to to find a spot of control from there. I think this is going to be a very fun fight. I think Sean Brady's control is so dynamic. I could see him putting a stop to all of that, right? And just anchoring down in certain positions and winning rounds doing that. But man, I, I got faith, man. I'm believing in late era, Kelvin Gastelum working with Henry Cejudo. I think if he can be agile in this one and stay away from that ground game, man, I think Kelvin Gastelum should be able to piece him up on the feet. Give me the pick for Mexico, God damn it! How you feeling, Sean? I'm pissed because I was gonna take Gaslam. Only be- also because I think, you know, Brady. I've been waiting for Brady's return since the Bilal the Bilal loss, and you know, obviously he's had the groin injury. Then he had the the other injury that also staff. Out, right, something happened. Yeah. Staff, yeah, that's what it was. The infection. Um. In his arm, yeah, this gnarly one. Yeah, the Jack, the JDM fight. That's right, Mm -hmm. that's right, that's right. Three-name Jack, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been waiting for his return. I want to see how he comes into this one. I think, I think, honestly, this is one of those where I think Sean can win the first two rounds. Um, I do think Sean is a better is better now at this point than Gaslam is. I know Gaslam's moving down here. Uh, this is where he belongs. I think Gaslam is so freaking fun, man. He's so fun. I've loved his entire career. I was I was jumping up and down. I was hoping he'd beat Adesanya that day for the interim. It broke my heart when he didn't. But I, I, I'm a huge believer in Gaslam. But I believe Sean can definitely pull it off. I think people are starting to write him off because of the fact he lost to Bilal. And, you know, no one wants to like Bilal. And, you know, they <laughs> believe Sean was like the next big thing. And then you lose like that. And the, the standing, you know, TKO. It's. I still think, though, this is a prove it fight for Sean here. I think having a year off, injuries, infections, he's just looking to get out there and just dominate again. And, show everyone that he is real deal in this division and uh i think i think he can win the first two rounds but but what's gonna make me worry is that third round his gaslam's gas tank is gonna be all the way up here and 
Brady's going to be all the way down here. And I think that's going to be the the, pro, the part that bothers me is, is Gaston going full head, you know, uh, full steam ahead here. And I'm just hoping that Sean can escape that third round. This is just how I see it going. And I, I do think Sean gets it by decision. But it could be one of those situations where Gaslam dominates so much that we could see some sort of crazy draw or majority decision. But I think Brady gets it done. He holds it for two rounds and wins via points. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Forced to go the opposite way. Yes, I, I have don't to. mind. I, I, I'm really feeling I got something in my bones on this matchup, but we'll see <laughs> if that works out for me. Next up, Rob Font. My native brother from Puerto Rico, minus 140 against Davison, God of War, Figueredo. Sean, why don't you let us know how you're feeling about this bantamweight matchup? I think this is um, this is Rob's Rob Font's fight here. I think uh, I think Davison's a decorated champion. I have all the respect to him. Uh, moving up is. Nothing's easy to do that. He could have just stayed a flyweight. He could have, you know, battled back and tried to get his title back a third time. You know, I, I give him a lot of credit for saying I'm moving up and this is what he's going to do. But people write off Rob Font too easily. You know, the second he loses, it's all he's, you know, he was trash anyway. And I think Rob Font's incredible. And I think Rob Font's a way bigger athlete here. And I think this is one of those where, to be honest with you, I, I just don't see this being as competitive as I want it to be. I think Davison's great, but I think Rob Font's better. Um, you know, that Giannis fight, you know, with the, to wait, the way to come out of the ground there when everyone doubted you. And even the UFC made that fight to see you get knocked out to someone like Giannis to make that fight. You know, you know it's going to end within the first three minutes and, it does, but you're the one on, on the winning end. And so, yeah, you know, he loses to Corey Sanhagen. That was – everyone knew that was going to happen, you know, the way it did. And it wasn't even like the fight was great. It was it was something different. Corey got hurt and then wrestled the whole time. I don't think that's going to be the situation with Davison here. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Rob Font still. I don't care what anybody says, and I think he gets it done easy. I love it. I love the conviction. And my guy from Puerto Rico, but I'm going a little bit of a different direction here. I'm going Let's with go. my guy, the God of War. I think at 135, this guy is going to be an absolute fucking tank. Like, I, I think he is not going to be phased at all by a lot of the shots that we saw him get damaged by at flyweight. I think this kind of matchup really suits Davison in the way that, yes, I agree. Rob Font is technically the better striker, right? Probably has the better process of the two. Um, but I think every time Rob Fought lands one of those jabs, it's just gonna it's just gonna make Davison more angry, right? It's gonna lead to a lot more rushes and uh flurries of punches. And I think just like Yoel Romero does at 185, I think this dude is just gonna spark out Rob Font here. So give me Davison by knockout in a surprising debut at bantamweight. Uh, but I won't be surprised either way, to be honest. This is one of the closer fights, if you ask me. And it really depends on how these guys look, right? And we haven't seen Davison fight for a while. And same goes for Rob Fawn. Obviously, we saw him fight, like you said, on short notice, but not the best barometer yeah. of his skills either, right? So 
I think honestly, what you said about the grappling though is a, another reason why I'm leaning Figueredo because I feel like Figueredo doesn't shoot takedowns, but he ends up on the ground with guys. He ends up uh, throwing either himself or someone else onto the ground at some point. Uh, it doesn't have to be a real takedown. It can just kind of be a pressure them into a spot, throw a couple punches, and land the good old right hook takedown, right? Shout out to Chael Sonnen. Sometimes you don't need a takedown. You just need a little right hook. Um, and I think Davidson's going to end up getting some significant top control here. So give me dose. De Guerra. Next up, our co-main event of the evening, Jalen, the Tarantula Turner, coming up against Bobby Green, a sizable underdog once again in his career. Man, this is a tough fight. This is a really hard fight for me to gauge, man. I thought obviously there was no shot that Bobby Green was going to beat Grant Dawson, let alone with one fucking punch, right? Just making it look easy, making me look silly on that one. Uh, but I'm a fan of Bobby green. I think I've always been a fan of his janky style and obviously he's got some really fun, uh, moments in his career, but also he's someone that's really lived up to the occasion in his last couple of fights. So, uh, a late career resurgence, which you love to see, man, not, not at all what I saw for him, if I'm being honest. Uh, but, as far as this matchup goes, I am very confidently going to be picking Jalen Turner here. Even though he's coming in on short notice, mm. I think his length in this kind of matchup and the way he likes to fight um, really does give him an advantage. Not because he's a long fighter necessarily, but because he is a power striker and he's trying to get you out of there. I think that level of danger for Bobby Green makes it a little bit more desperate for him to close range. And I think in that scenario, he's going to be there to be hit. So give me the tarantula on short notice. How are you feeling about this lightweight co-main, Sean? Oh, I was kind of, I was on the fence with this one as well. This one in the main event are, are ones where I like it. It's, it's close fights where you could pick either or, but you said it. it is for me, it's distance here. And I think, I think Jalen can keep the distance and make Bobby very uncomfortable here. And, you know, I, I still think Jalen is top-notch. Um, I think the Gamera fight was one of the most uncomfortable fights he's probably ever been in. You know, constantly grappling, constantly wrestling, something he didn't want to do. And, you know, then he gets someone he wanted, someone like Dan Hooker, the complete opposite, just absolute, you know, Hand over fist, everyone's punching each other in the face. Someone's going to die in there that night. And it basically turned out that way because the way Jalen was going after him and, you know, that head kicked to uh, Dan Hooker, clean as can be, Dan is such, like, a freak athlete monster that nothing takes him down. That Dustin Poirier fight with him is one of the all-time greatest. So, you know... I, that's why I picked Dan. I just felt he was going to be able to summon whatever demon he has left with all those crazy tattoos he just got and find a way to pull a victory on Jalen, and that's exactly what ended up happening. But I still think Jalen's a monster, and I think this is one of those fights where you get someone like Bobby Green here. I think this is exactly what he wanted. That's why he asked to fight. He's like, I need to get myself back in the win calm. I can beat this dude. I can keep the distance. This is another guy who's going to scrap with me. We're not going down to the ground. We're just going to punch each other in the face and see who ends up on the winning end. And I think he's going to get it done. I do think 
this is I, I just I can never imagine a situation where Bobby Green loses via knockout. But this could be one of those times where Jalen gets it done. I think the distance is a huge factor here. And I do think that uh, even on short notice, it's going to be a little closer than if this was a full camp for both. If this is a full camp, I see Jalen with like 450 odds, to be honest with you. But I think um, Jalen can get it done. My only thing with him is that his weight, you know, hopefully he can make weight. That's what I think is going to be the biggest problem for me is if he misses that weight or weight cuts a problem, then I can absolutely see Bobby taking this. You know, he didn't make weight against the Dan Hooker fight, and that was very questionable. And uh, I think this is one of those where if he can make weight and he's comfortable, you know, fighting on fight night, then I think it's his. This dude is a professional. There's nothing else to be said. We move on to our main event. We've got Benil Dariush plus 220 coming up against Arman Saryukin. Sean. I'm throwing to you, man. I need to hear your analysis on this main event. Let me know who you got, man. I'm just, I've been waiting all night for this. I'm just going to lay out now. (laughs) It's your turn, brother. Take us to the promised land. I knew you were going to let me go first on this one because this is one of those where I was hoping you would take the reins here because honestly, I I love Armand, but I still believe in Darius here. And this is, I'm not sure. See, this is still like, as soon as I believe in Darius, I'm like, man, Armand's, this is his time now. But Darius, you know, was on top of the world beating everyone, rolling through everyone until the Charles fight. And in the way he got manhandled by Charles as easily as it was, it's so crazy how four minutes can determine everything that you did for 10 years. And that's exactly what happened for Darius. Darius was unbeatable. You know, everyone thought, you know, the Islam fight that was supposed to happen, there was a real chance that Darius could have won that fight. People were thinking that Darius should have won that fight. Obviously, it ended up getting canceled. Um, and, you know, then he goes out and beats Gamrot. You're like, okay, this he's real deal. Give him Oliveira. Oliveira's on the decline. I think people, I don't remember how, what the odds were that night. But I think a lot of people were still picking Darius to beat Oliveira. I, th- I think people believe that Oliveira was on it. At the end of the rope, you know, he had a good run, you know, but the way he lost to Islam, it's the end, you know, Darius was going to roll through him. He was the next title contender. But then, you know, Oliveira's going to be a Hall of Famer, and this is that was the reason why, fights like that. But I still believe in Darius here. I think I think Darius can get it done. Armand is on a whole nother level as well. I think he's on the come up. So this is such a perfect time to do this fight because – this is a, an incredible main event where I there's no one I can say here that I go, oh, absolutely, this is it's his fight, it's their fight, they're gonna take it. But if I had to go, I'm going Darius. Wow. What makes this you is, feel uh, what makes you feel that convicted to go Darius here? There's no conviction here. This is one of those <laughs> where I can I can say Armand and be compl- and sleep, you know, perfectly fine at night. This is going to be really, really close. Really, really close. And um, I think Darius is overlooked now because of that Oliveira loss and everything that he did ten, you know, for those last nine, ten years or nine, ten wins, whatever it is, is nothing to sneeze at here. And I think um, he can absolutely get this done and kind of 
remind everyone of how good he really is and how him versus Islam is the fight to make. Uh, and I think it could start with someone like Armand. And, but same thing with Armand. Armand could win this fight and then get a Dustin Poirier fight next or whatever the case may be and prove that he's next for a title shot. So this is for both these guys. It's whoever wins here wins one more time and they're fighting Islam for the title. That's how this is going to go. So this is going to be really close. I can absolutely see Armand taking this one and I wouldn't even be surprised, but I can see Darius taking it to the ground and getting a nice submission. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Darius by submission in the fourth round. Dude, I love the way you're thinking here. Now, I'm going to ask you that you come along this journey with me, right? Because right, let's see I thought got. very long and hard about this <laughs> matchup yeah. and the way these two fighters link up, right? And I think I've come up with a very interesting analogy to talk about both of these guys' game, especially on the feet. So I think in the grappling phases, both of these guys extremely underrated. Even though they are heralded and known for their grappling, they are still underrated because both of these guys are extremely strong and sturdy in those positions and just have a very innate feel for those exchanges, man. I think for people that have never grappled, you can't understand how much of it really is feel versus thought and analysis. It is more so having a good understanding of the of, of the space around you, right? And I think both of these guys are just very good at collecting limbs and putting themselves in good positions to land dominant um, positions on the ground. Now, on the feet, here's where this little analogy comes in, which I really love. I'm very proud of it, and I haven't even spoken about it yet. But come along this ride with me here. So I think Armin Saryukian striking is very good. I think if we were to look at the textbook, right, on how to throw certain strikes, man, his fade back head kick, his one-two, his jab at range, like everything is just technically perfect. He's on his feet. He's doing everything extremely correct, right? The way you would advise someone to do these things. He is by the book, 100%. But Neil Dariush, on the other hand, especially on the feet, he's someone that really colors outside the lines a little bit. He's someone that a lot of the things he does that works so devastatingly really don't work for everybody else, right? He throws punches at weird angles. He is willing to brawl in a way that's uncharacteristic for himself at times. Like, just think about the... the the fight against Drakkar close, right? The, there's so many different examples, but that fight specifically, um, Benil Darius is getting cracked, man, getting hurt really bad at range. And then he just let out Benny thrills, right? He just, he just let go and just fully went on instinct through a barrage of punches and ended up it kind of felt like accidentally knocking this guy out. Like that's, that's the way Darius is striking is so dynamic because it doesn't really, it, I always get the sense after he gets these knockouts or even when he dropped Gamrot, right, in that big exchange where he's like, oh, shit, I did do that. That is something I can do. Like, it, it seems like even, even he wasn't ready for that kind of result from that strike. And I think that's what makes him really dangerous in this matchup for sure. I think, honestly, if you didn't pick Dariush here, I was 100% going with Dariush just because of the way their their games match up i think this is especially with how we saw Saryu can get tested against joakim silva 
I think those same tests exist as far as being able to land a, a big strike like that. But the grappling awareness is much better than Joaquim Silva as far as putting himself in better positions to land those strikes. So I felt very confident in making that pick as well. Um, but I am going to be leaning heavily on the reality of that last fight against Charles Oliveira. And I think there was a diminishment in the uh, level of punishment he can take to me, at least I, I do agree that Charles Oliveira is a very hard puncher and a very dynamic finisher. So maybe I just look crazy, right? Maybe that was just a one night thing, but I honestly felt like there was, it, he went a little too easy that night. If you ask me uncharacteristically. And I think that might be, the unfortunate part of this all right where he's stuck around in the division for so long dominated right I, I believe at one point he had like almost a seven fight win streak right before he ended up losing that last fight against uh Oliveira so I think Darius amazing fighter uh, honestly someone that in a different universe has a hall of fame career right where he's able to get those fights lined up at the right time uh, but unfortunately, that's not the timeline we live in. And I think at this point, a, he's a little over the hill. I think Saryukin will be best served here, in my opinion, to treat the the striking like it's a goddamn um, fencing match. And his opponent has uh, bombs instead of a, uh, uh, what is it, a, what is it, a joust. I, I think he should really try his hardest to stay bouncy on the outside and keep this a non-negotiable fight at range to say, Hey, I can fight you out here, but I'm going to just keep landing my jab and force you to do something else. And then once you do, I'm just going to be in on your legs and take you down. I think he's going to be able to get control positions, especially either in half guard or in full mount and find himself just bombing him with the elbows. I think that's going to be a significant part of this fight. And I think just you never feel bad leaning on youth and athleticism, especially in a matchup like this. So give me Armand Saryukian. God damn, Sean. That was that was a whirlwind. I can't believe we already finished up the entire card, man. Do you have any final words on this main event before we switch flip the switch and move on to Dynasty? Uh I, I was along for your ride there and uh pause. But I think uh, I'm. I, I like your analysis here. I just think that Dariush can still get it done. I I can't imagine myself Dariush losing again, and then we we have those, you know, YouTube clips five years from now of what happened to Dariush, what could have been. Wow. And I think yeah, I do think the Oliveira fight was wild. And a uh, clear difference in talent and testing there. Um, but I, I do believe that Darius, you know, just had a bad night. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Darius was going to be better than Oliveira that day. I think Oliveira was on a different level. But I think Darius looked incredibly poor compared to his former fights. And I think this was a big – that was like a big moment for him. Um he could have really taken on the world. He kept saying in that fight that, oh, you know, this is a, this is like a title fight for me. I can't wait. I just want to fight for a title. I just want to fight for a title. And uh, it just didn't happen. And, the, you know, he was devastated. So I think he's looking at this as like, all right, this is probably my final shot here at getting my title. 
that I so you know a title shot that I desperately deserve. I'm gonna beat Armand. I'm gonna beat Dustin or you know whoever is next, and I'm I'm going for Islam, and I think he gets it done. I love it, dude. I love the conviction, man. And honestly, I'm I think I might be rooting for that outcome secretly. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I love me some Feel Benny good. thrills. Uh, but yeah, this is a real tough matchup. And honestly, Armin is one of my favorite prospects in the UFC period. So with that being said, it's time to consider these prospects and make some draft picks here. Sean, I feel like I'm in a I'm in for being heartbroken, right? I'm in for a Tommy Aspinall situation right now. But I'll let you start us off whenever you're ready. Yes. This is, to be honest with you, this is, I'm looking beyond. I like this card, but there's some, even with these, with the veterans, or, or I should say guys who have been here who are on the come up, it's still questionable. And there are some guys here that I think. No matter who I take, I'm gonna I'm gonna be heartbroken about these next two guys that I really want to take. So I'm on the fence about both of them, and I'm deciding who I want more. Man, this is tough. Dynasty is MMA, you love it. You love to see. This it. is why you love it. Yeah, of course. This is exactly why you love it. Um, cool. All right. Now, take up any more time. I'm going to be nice. And my first pick, and I know you're going to be like, what? <laughs> my first pick, give me Sean Brady. Wow. Holy shit. Sean, I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. I got two picks. You probably could have got Sean Brady with your fourth pick. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be real with you. But goddamn, I, I, I like it. I, a real eye for the future here. I like it. God damn, I was not. not mentally, emotionally, or physically prepared for that one. Holy hell, this guy loves me. <laughs> Give me Armand Saryukian, of course. Yep. And then after that, that's where things get interesting, right? That's where things get a little dicey here. Hmm. There's a lot of different ways I can go on this one. See, you're telling me at this pick right here, you wouldn't have... If I've taken Darius or something, which... I wouldn't have done with my first pick. But you're not telling me at this moment you would have been like, I, I should, you know what, I'm going to take Sean Brady here. No. Wow. Honestly, no. So, honestly. There's a there's a lot of uh, prospects here that I would uh, much well, rather have. Too, there's a lot of guys here where I do kind of feel like, hey, they might be around once I get my pick again. So I I don't know. This is, this is a tough one. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Give me one Jalen Turner, and very I'll nice. throw it back to you, Sean. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, give me Darius. Okay. And just... <laughs> With the fifth pick. I like that, right? Like that, yeah. In the dynasty draft, Sean. Who would be our Roger Goodell? Who who would who would be the guy at the podium? That's the question. Ooh. 
That's a good question. You know what? Give me Amanda Hebas See, up there. Oh, uh, you know I what? Would. I was keeping it personal there. I was going to say that, that would be nice. But I was going to say, since your mom He's is such a say diehard. No, 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 no. Oh, I was going to oh, say family. I, since your mom is such a diehard UFC fan, I, I would have had her do it. I think she, you know, I love I think it. she would do good at the podium. Um, hey, she. You give her a lot of credit. She she hates public speaking, but that's, hey, so what? Maybe that's maybe that'll be the one. <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, side tangent. Shout out to Mama Negron. I love you so much. I had the pleasure of taking college university classes with my mother at Fordham University. That's so awesome. And the opening line of one of her presentations that we were doing together was, "So sorry, you guys. I'm nervous." And, right, it was it was the sweetest thing I have ever witnessed as a son. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure how well she'll do in that Goodell spot, but I love the consideration. So Sean, send Mama Negron up there with your pick. Who's your fifth pick? Maybe I'll shock you here. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Give me. Zach Reese. <laughs> no fucking way. Holy I'm going hell. Completely He's trolling. different this, this week. Completely Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs. That's right. Peanut butter chocolate flavor. Honestly, this is a very strange dynasty performance out of you. I'm going to be I'm, real. Because I'm changing it up. It, I'm changing it up. It's fair. It's holiday fair. cheer. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Here's your dynasty. When you have one. I like it. I expect Damn. the same on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that. Good luck, you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a very strange direction with these last two because it's my last two. Give me Hadolfo Bellato and give me the woman that has my heart, Veronica Hardy. Sean, why don't you finish us off? Because I think Veronica Hardy might have did that for me already. <laughs> Oh, see, this is another one where it's now we're in the... I'm sorry, Dan Hardy. I didn't mean it that way. I know it sounded bad. <laughs> we're in the dog days now. Um... Yeah, it's, it's slim pickings here. I'm not going to lie. See, this is... All right, I'm going to keep it short term. I'm going to keep it short term. Ah, <sighs> man, this is... Not what I want, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm kind of just giving you the time here to just, you know, get everything ready. Um, take it, no, take your time. I'm not in a rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The listeners are though. I, I could tell. I could tell they're, they're breathing down my <laughs> neck here. You can feel it. Yeah, you can <laughs> feel the pressure. I know they're yelling at me on who to take. Oh, this is the last pick of the draft, correctly, correct, right? Final pick of the draft. You know what? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's not something I'm confident in. Jared Gooden, right? Absolutely. Um, it's not something I'm <laughs> confident in at all. But I do think. Do you think he's still got? Nah, you know what? Can't do it. Can't do it. As, as much as I want to believe, I can't believe. 
you know what, just to end this, I we already have everybody in those last four fights, except for two. God. Just in case I'm wrong about Rob Fawn here, this could be, I'll take an L for my dynasty this week, no matter what happens here, and give me Davison. Honestly, that is a sleeper eighth pick. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm honestly not really sure how much longer we see Davis and Figueredo fight. That's why. That's why. I love I just, it. I'm... It's a good pick, especially with the eighth pick, man. That's a great pick. So our final standings are as follows. Sean with the number one pick goes with Sean Brady. The man is going with That's the right. all Sean team. <laughs> The all-namesake team, which you love to see. That's right. I go second and third, Armand Saryukian and Jalen Turner, followed by Sean going Benil Dariush and Zach Reese, the, the ultimate who moment <laughs> of this That's draft. Right. And then I, I follow that up with Hadolfo Bellato and Veronica Hardy. And Sean rounds us out with Davidson Figueredo. So just like that. We've got our dynasty team set. Just want to give you guys a reminder too. Sean has two fighters already on his team competing on this card. So in addition to his four that he just picked, he'll also have Rob Fonts going up obviously against Davidson and then Bobby Green going up against Jalen Turner. You love to see the head-to-head matchups in dynasty, right? Someone's getting a point in both directions here and i'm hoping i double up on getting a win and an l in your column but with all that being said man what are you circling did i miss something no no, i'm just i'm just circling you know this beautiful draft that this man's gonna be a sleeper (laughs) yeah honestly i feel like this card is gonna be a sleeper we were unanimous on a lot of these uh fights i think we only went opposite directions on three of them but i think this this fight card in general is really closely matched up and there's a case for either of these fighters no matter what the matchup is so i think this is going to be for sure a banger out in austin which i think these small cards in random venues really do deliver so really looking forward to this one sean but why don't you take us home by reminding the people where they can find you and all of your musings. Ooh. Yes, you can find me at SeanEgro26 on Twitter. And BSReports.org for my website, which is all sports related. If you ever want to get involved in the sports world, um, writing, whatever the case may be, should be a shout and I will get you started. You love to see it. I am still participating in No Shave November. I am full on looking homeless at this point, but I got three days, baby, and then I'm a, I'm a clean up nice. So you'll you'll got something to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. But you can find me at Negron MMA, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram if you're interested in checking all that out. Uh, but most importantly, why don't you follow the brand at OTS Media on all social media platforms? OTS Media Co. on YouTube. But with that all being laid out, Sean, we did it again. We got another banger on our hands, and I can't wait to see how this one plays out next week. But Austin, Texas, keep being weird, keep smelling strange, and don't forget, Khalil Roundtree, you will be missed, but we'll see you next time on the other side of the world. And like that, we're gone. Peace. Peace.